evening at this time, let's take our Bibles, okay, and jump right into it in our Bible study as we're going to the book of Galatians, okay? Galatians chapter 3 tonight is where we will be. Galatians chapter 3 this evening. We've started the book of Galatians, I don't know, a couple months ago, studying that on Wednesday evenings. It's been a help to me and I hope it has to you. But as we come to this book together, and every time you come to it, I do encourage you to try to get the overall view, bird's eye view, if you will, of this book, all right? And really, we need to do that at each book we study, but get the overall bird's eye view of this book in mind. Please remember that Paul is addressing the churches that are in the region of Galatia. Now, there's multiple churches in this region, not just one, but multiple churches, therefore multiple Christians. But he's addressing the churches in the region of Galatia for this reason, because false teachers called Judaizers have began to creep into this area and creep into these churches and preach a false gospel. What was that gospel they were preaching? Another gospel, as Paul says it. They were doing this. They were preaching a gospel of adding works to the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, these Judaizers, since they were steeped in the Jewish religion, they were adding rituals and rules to the gospel. And according to them, if you didn't follow these rituals and these rules, then you truly could not be saved. So in teaching this false gospel these Judaizers were doing, these false teachers were perverting the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, and in turn, they were causing great chaos in the hearts and minds of God's people. So Paul... Paul, knowing all this is going on in the churches of Galatia in this region, he sits down lovingly, passionately, and very sternly, and picks up his pen and declares the pure true gospel and defends the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is doing as he's writing to the churches of Galatia, all right? So keep that bird's eye view in mind as Paul continues to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, so let's continue our study in this book together. And we'll be in Galatians chapter 3, and we'll read verses 1 through 5, but mainly this evening we're going, to, we're going to land and pretty much stay in verse number 1, all right? But before we read uh, these, these few verses, keep in mind the example that Paul uh, gave to the Galatian believers when he was writing to them in chapter 2. And this was a big example. It was an apostle. An example that he gave was an apostle, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ. And, and who was that example that he gave? Do you remember? It starts with a P and ends with an eater. Peter, that's right, good job, okay? But he gave the, the big example of Peter. And uh, we began to notice last time how Peter was beginning to drift. Remember that? The dangers of drifting. He began to drift away from the truth. Drift away from the faith, drift away from the fellowship of believers, all because the Bible says in verse 12 of chapter 2, he feared those of the circumcision, meaning he feared those Judaizers that had come to town. He feared them. The fear of man, remember, brings a snare. But he feared them. So Paul was giving a great example to the Galatian believers. He uses them as an example because I believe these, these beloved believers, these these. Believers here in, in Galatia, these churches of Galatia, were beginning to do the same. They were beginning to drift. They, too, were beginning to be drawn away. These precious folks were being drawn away from the truth, from the faith, from even the church. But how does this happen? How do believers begin to draw away? 
How, how do they draw away from the faith? How do they draw away from the truth? How does this happen? Because I want you to know something. It did happen in the first century, and it still happens in the 21st century. Believers are and can be easily drawn away. But how does that happen? I believe Paul gives us some insight as to why the Galatian believers were being drawn away. And as we see the insight that Paul gives us, I think we can apply these points that he points out uh, to our lives as well. All right, so I want to do that this evening as we look at Galatians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 5. And just before we read, let's pray again, all right? Our Father, we are thankful again for another day of life you've given to us. We thank you for the privilege we have to open the Word of God, to read it, to study it, to preach it, to teach it. And I pray that you'd help us this evening to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. And Lord, help us, I pray, to keep our focus fixed upon you so we not be drawn away by every wind of doctrine. Help us, I pray. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. All right, so Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish? Have begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he by the works of a law or by the hearing of faith? The first thing I'd like for us to see from this portion of Scripture, as I believe Paul was trying to give insight as to why the Galatians were beginning, it seemed to be beginning to be drawn away from the faith. The first thing I'd like for us to see is this, why they're being drawn away is this. Number one, they were foolish, all right? They were foolish. Notice again, verse number one, what, what Paul says, Oh, foolish Galatians. Now, the Galatians at this very moment were being foolish. Now, Paul was not being condescending here, all right? He was not being that, mm, preacher, he's just mean to me. No, <laughs> that was not Paul, all right? He was not being mean. He was not belittling them. He was not con condescending, being condescending to them. He was not calling them names. He was not calling them fools, but he was rather pointing out an obvious fact that they were acting foolish. They were acting foolish. Now, what does it mean to be foolish? It means this. It means not understanding. It means thoughtless. It means unthinking, meaning not thinking correctly. They weren't using their brains. They were not thinking through what was happening, what was being taught to them. They were not thinking. So what was happening here with these Galatian believers is this. They were not thinking about the false teachers and what they were teaching them. They weren't thinking about it. They were listening to the false teaching and passively, listen, passively accepting it. They were lazily sitting and soaking up every word these Judaizers were giving to them. And they were not, understand, they were not applying their minds to see if what they were being taught was, in fact, the truth. They weren't applying it. That's why it's important for us to apply, right? Apply the word of God, the scripture to our lives. They were not applying the truth. They were simply just hanging on to every word and passively accepting every word. These false teachers were giving. And listen, Paul says, man, that's foolish. That's foolish. And if this continued on in their lives, very, listen, this very well is going to lead to danger, okay? It's very dangerous to be, a, to be foolish in this area. 
So when it comes to the teaching and preaching, as men, women, whoever may be doing teaching, whatever the scripture understands them, we can't just take it at face value. Rather, we must compare to what they're teaching to the truth of God's word to make sure it is truth. And by the way, this is exactly what the Bereans did in the word of God. And the person they were comparing what they were teaching to the truth of the word of God, the person they were comparing was Paul's teaching, okay? Surely we could all agree that Paul taught and preached the truth, right? Yet they took the time to compare what he taught and what he preached to the truth of the word of God. Here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse 10 through 11. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Who's these? He's talking about the Bereans, all right? The Bereans. These are more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and, here it is, Search the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. They were comparing what Paul preached. They were comparing what he preached to the truth of the scriptures to see if it was true or not. This is why the Bereans were more noble and not foolish. But at this moment, these Galatian believers were acting foolishly by not doing that. We must, listen, we must compare the teachings of others to the scripture because when we do, we'll not be drawn away by every wind of doctrine, all right? So compare what people teach and preach. Does it line up with the word of God? Does it line up with the scriptures? And because the Galatian believers are not doing this, they're being foolish, and therefore being drawn away from the truth and from the faith. Folks, this happens even today. It happens, and it happens more readily than we want to admit. Just be careful, and don't be foolish, but compare what you hear to the word of God. All right. How else were they being drawn away? Okay, number one, well, they were foolish. Number two, because of this, the fascinating teachers, all right? The fascinating teachers. What do you mean by that, preacher? Come on. You're just trying to alliterate here and using it. No, 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 no. It's in the word, I promise, okay? But understand, number two, the fascinating teachers. Look at verse number one again. Look at verse number one, and I want you to notice this phrase. He says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Notice that word, bewitched. Circle it, highlight it, underline it if you like. But understand that word. Who hath bewitched you? The word bewitched here, it means to fascinate. It means to cast a spell upon. It means to mislead and to deceive. And this is what these false teachers were doing to the believers in Galatia. They were deceiving and they were misleading these Christians, again, away from the truth, away from the faith, and away ultimately from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But let me ask you, let me ask you this evening, do you think that these Judaizers came into the church of, churches of Galatia and said, hey, y'all, we're here to deceive you and lead you away from the truth? <laughs> do you think they just blatantly and boldly came in saying that? Of course not. Of course not. They didn't boldly come in and say, we have come to deceive you and draw you away. We're here to draw you unto ourselves and away from the Lord. They weren't blunt like that. Of course not. Even, even those who might have been foolish would have been able to spot that kind of ridiculousness. All right. So how did this happen then? How did they become bewitched? How did they come so fascinated with these Judaizers and fascinated with these false teachers? How did this happen that they're beginning to be misled, beginning to be drawn away, beginning to be deceived? How does this happen? Well, understand something. 
We know this as we read the Word of God, but understand, be reminded yet again this evening that false teachers are very, very sneaky. They are bewitching. Here's how Jude describes them in his letter, all right? In the little letter of Jude, he starts off by talking about false teachers and apostates. He says this in verses 3 and 4, he says this. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation... It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. There are certain men crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, there's already men who've crept in unaware. Why? They're sneaky. They're sneaky. You can't see them. They're sneaky. They know Christianese very well, all right? And you know what I'm talking about. They had, they had to speak like a Christian, walk like a Christian, talk like a Christian. They're very good with it. They're sneaky. They come in unawares. But here's, what he, here's how he describes them as he goes on to talk about these individuals. He says this in verses 12 through 14. Those that have slipped in this way, here's how they got there. These are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Here's how, he, how Jude describes these false teachers and how they get in. He said they're this, they're clouds, they're clouds, but without water. Now try to picture in your mind, all right? a dry and cracked countryside. And the ground, the dirt is so burnt. It is as burnt as a nasty chocolate chip cookie that is left in the oven three hours too long, okay? That's how dry it is. And by the way, just in case you don't know, chocolate chip cookies are made to be soft and, and, and not hard, okay? Just, just trust me on that. They're going to be in heaven. They're going to be soft, I promise. So anyway, but just try to picture in your mind the ground in the area is just absolutely hard as a rock. The ground is hard as iron. The ground is so dry, it's nothing but dust and being carried away with the winds. Not even the weeds are growing in this area as the ground is so dry. But the ground, it's begging, thirsting, longing for just a drop of water. Then one day, you look up and you see some clouds on the horizon. And these clouds have some color to them with hopes of rain in them. The clouds, they bring the much cool uh, shade that you, that you so desire on a very hot, sunny day. But with these clouds coming in, maybe they bring thunder with them. And as you hear the thunder, you begin to get more excited because you see the clouds of the color, they're dark. You hear the thunder that's in them. You begin to get excited because surely that means what, church? Starts with the R, ends with the ain. Rain, all right. Hopefully that means rain. With that sight and with that sound coming, you can hardly contain yourself with anticipation of what's surely to come. And those clouds roll in, roll over the land, and guess what happens? They roll out as well. You're ready for that blessing, ready for that relief, ready for that water, and then nothing. It was all a sham. It was all a hype with no substance behind it. It was just a lot of empty noise. And people, listen, People were looking to these false teachers for a revival shower, if you will, yet they were looking to them in vain. Why? Because these false teachers are clouds without water. 
There were clouds. They were anticipating, oh, we need this. We need this badly, but they could offer nothing. They may look good. They may sound good. may look like a fresh breath, uh, uh, a breath of fresh air. They may look like they're going to be a blessing. They may look like they're going to bring the goods, if you will. But listen, they're empty. They're clouds without water. And understand false teachers come in that way. Man, they look promising. The, Dr. So-and-so coming in looks promising. He, he, he's been this place and that place looks promising, but empty. And instead of promising, they become very disappointing. He says this, Jude said, look, they're clouds without water. And then he says this, they're trees without fruit. Again, he says that in verse number 12 of Jude. Now, this is a metaphor here. It refers to a time of the year when the trees should give off their fruit. And we would refer to that time of the year of, uh, well, the fancy people would say it's autumn. Okay, but we read next, we'll call it fall. Why? Because leaves fall down. Okay, but uh, anyway, it's that time of year he'd be referring it to. But during this time of year, the trees would give off their fruit. Around our area, the apple trees are the best example. Apple trees. We all know what apple tree is, apple tree looks like. But an apple tree farmer at this time is gearing up and, and just about, just about full, full swing. But the picking and pruning and all that, the spraying, cleaning, bagging, all that selling will be soon full swing for every farmer, apple farmer in our area. But if you were to ask, if you were to ask an apple farmer, farmer to go across or come to a row of trees, and this row of trees, no doubt, looked very good. Uh, these row of trees were very well taken care of. I mean, all the effort and money these trees have, have gotten, all the spraying, the fertilizing, the watering, the pruning, everything. You came to these trees then. After all that, came to these trees at the time appointed when they should have a lot of fruit on them to pick the fruit, but you found zero fruit. What do you do with those trees? Well, you mark them as defective. You mark them down as defective and you rip them up out of the ground and you cast them in the fire and be done with them. Why? Because they didn't give you any fruit when they were supposed to give you some fruit. And this would have been, again, very disappointing, not able to cash in on the crop that you're supposed to cash in on. It was fruitless. And again, these are the false teachers, no doubt. They look like strong trees. They looked like they had deep roots. They looked like they could surely yield much fruit, had a lot of promise, if you will. But understand something, they were, fall, they, were, they were fruitless. They were fruitless. They were fruitless trees. They didn't have any spiritual fruit. Why? Because they had no spiritual root. That's why. The Bible says in John chapter 15, verse 4 through 5, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him the same, bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Understand, false teachers don't come bearing the name of Jesus Christ. They come bearing their own name, trying to draw people to themselves, to make merchandise of you. That's what they want, a following to themselves, not for you to follow Christ. That's what they're false teachers. So understand, they, they're, true, they're trees without fruit. Then, then Jude says they're raging waves of the sea. Now, I'd say most of us have been to the beach. We've seen the waves. We've seen those waves can be quite strong, even quite dangerous at times, especially if you're not anticipating the strength and impact of, of the waves. They can seem to come out of nowhere, and the waves, listen, they don't stop. They continue over and over. They crash one after another after another, and such, again, listen, is a false teacher. A dangerous, seem to come out of nowhere. They're relentless, and Jude calls them raging waves. Then he calls them this. He calls them this, wandering stars. He says that in verse 13 of Jude. 
wandering stars. Now, I think as Jude writes this, he's referring to what we would call a shooting star. Anybody ever seen a shooting star? Did you wish upon it? Be honest now. I know you did. Wish upon. No, I'm not going to sing. But anyway, I know you did. We've seen shooting stars. They're pretty neat and pretty cool to see. But listen, they don't last long, do they? They don't last long. They're here for a second, and you're like, ooh, a shooting star. That was cool. Unless you lasted like two seconds. You don't see them long. They're here and then, then, then they're gone. Such is a false teacher. And it could have been the case for these Judaizers in this moment too. Maybe this is how they got in. They came in like a wandering star. They came in like a shooting star. They may have had some flash about them. They may have had some pizzazz about them. Uh, they may have gathered a large cr- crowd quite quickly. They may ooh and awe a crowd with their rhetoric and speech and even their personality. But as quick as they came on the scene, they leave just as quick. Just like a shooting star shows up in the sky and then boom, is gone and falls into the darkness. So are these false teachers as well. Maybe good orators, good persona. Maybe even these, these uh, Judaizers had good credentials. What do you mean by that, preacher? Good credentials meaning this way. The Bible says that they came from, from Jerusalem, all right? So when the Jews come from Jerusalem to a Gentile area like Galatia, especially speaking to these believers, no doubt they would perk up and listen. But they had these credentials. These guys are from the Jerusalem. Maybe they're even part of the church in the Jerusalem. You know, the mother church <laughs> where James is the pastor. Ho oh, ho, get these guys in. Maybe they saw his credentials and gave him a place. I don't know. Now, today, we wouldn't say, oh, he's from Jerusalem or from here or from there. But rather, a lot of times, when we see something before the person's name is Dr. So-and-so. Oh, well, Dr. So-and-so. In, in what? In, in, in Scripture or theology? Oh, cool. Bring him in. We've got to have him. Why? Well, he's a doctor. He's supposed to know everything. Right. Yeah. The more and more I learn, listen, I know I'm very young. But the more and more I learn, the more and more I know I don't know nothing, all right? And that's terrible English, but you get my point. But those credentials shouldn't make a person give them that kind of clout just because they have that. Now, that's good and nice. Should we, should we strive for that? Sure, sure, sure. Whatever. That's great, all right? I'm not saying we should, should just be, uh, not try to make ourselves better and, and, and know more of Scripture and, and more learn. I'm not saying that. But it shouldn't be lean on just credentials alone. Maybe that's what they were doing, though. Maybe they were leaning upon their credentials and they had the right persona. Man, they talked really good too. Man, they could preach, you know. And that's why they let them in. But they came in. Well, this type of thing, this type of personality, this type of charisma, and this this what they did. They bewitched the people. They put them in a, in a trance, like, like a snake would put a mouse into a trance. As a mouse stares into the eyes of that snake and Snake slithering, getting closer. That mouse is just terrified with fear. He's just frozen, don't want to move. And yet he becomes dinner. <laughs> this kind of trauma, or, or, or hypnotized rather, in a, in a trance. And so these false teachers hypnotized, bewitched the people with their clever arguments as they no doubt text juggled the scriptures and bewitched the people. So understand something, false teachers can be very fascinating. They're very, very flashy, with a lot of pizzazz, a lot of smoke, but they're just false teachers. Understand something, these, these, these fascinating false teachers will draw you away from Jesus. In 2 Timothy, no, I'm sorry, 2 Peter, rather, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, the Bible says this. 
But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow the pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be even spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words, there it is, speak really good. Man, they're good speakers. Make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Listen, don't let the fascination of a false teacher draw you away from Jesus. Because listen, that's what the false teachers do. That's a, that's a good test of one, is where they're pointing you to, to Jesus or away from him. If they're pointing you to them, to themselves, run away. But if they're pointing you to Christ, that's good. All right, let's move on. So how do we, how do we know or, or what points was he kind of bringing up that these folks were being drawn away? Well, they're being foolish. And these fascinating teachers, and then thirdly, I want to see this, because their focus. Their focus was off. Again, look at verse number one. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes, there it is, catch that phrase, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath, hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Before whose eyes? Listen, I want to tell you something so profound and so wise, you're never going to get over it. All right, you ready? <laughs> it's a joke. I'm just kidding. But anyway, I want to tell you something. Where your eyes are focused upon, your feet will soon to follow, Okay. What your eyes are focused upon, your feet will soon follow. Let me give you a verse for this. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 through 27, the Bible says this, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of your heart, out of it are the issues of life. He's saying, look, the, psalmist, or the, the uh, writer of Proverbs, he's saying, guard yourself, guard your heart, because from the condition of your heart comes the conduct of your life, and here is how you guard it. Here it is. Proverbs 23, verse 23, Chapter 4, verse 24. Put away from thee a forward mouth, perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before. What comes next is this verse. Ponder the path of thy feet let, uh, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. He is basically saying what you're looking at is the way you're going to be going. Look, the direction you're focused upon is the direction you will go. But understand, these Galatian believers, they knew. They knew the right direction. They knew the right focus. They knew where to look. They knew to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. They knew where their eyes should be focused upon. They knew this because, again, Paul told them. Again, in verse number one, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been, look at this word, this phrase, evidently set forth, crucified among you. That phrase, evidently set forth, means to proclaim, to portray openly. So Paul was doing just that before the Galatians. He was proclaiming the truth of Christ. He was portraying the Lord Jesus Christ openly. He didn't hold back, hide anything from them. He preached it straight and true to the Galatians and for the Galatians. So again, they knew the truth. They knew the truth about Christ. They knew the truth about his death, burial, and resurrection and why Jesus died, was buried, and rose again from the grave. He, they knew that because Paul told them. Paul told them the way of salvation. Paul told them they were justified by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone and no matter of works would ever save a man. They knew this truth. Why? Paul told them. But at some point... 
Through the teaching of these false teachers, their, their eyes, their focus began to shift, be, begin to begin to be, uh, play, 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 play. <laughs> I get tongue-tied so quickly sometimes, I tell you. But began to be drawn away because their eyes were drawn from the Lord into these teachers and onto a, another gospel that these, <laughs> these Judaizers were teaching. Because of this, all of this, whether they knew it or not, they're being drawn away. And really, I have a tendency to believe they didn't quite know they were being drawn away. Because again, the false teachers are very sneaky, very subtle, just like the devil, right? Subtle. And again, because the word we see here in verse number one, all foolish Galatians who hath bewitched you. Again, that's kind of, they're tricking them. Bewitching means to hypnotize, to trick kind of thing, right? And so I believe they didn't really fully understand this is what was happening until Paul had to point it out. That they were being drawn away by all of these things. Being foolish. By these false teachers. And by this, what they were doing right here. They're losing their focus. Understand something. I want to encourage all of us this evening. Understand something. The devil does not want you to keep your eyes upon Christ. He is a great distractor. Anybody here get distracted? Squirrel. Yeah, me too. All right. Sometimes I feel like I'm a squirrel on Red Bull. All right. I get distracted so much sometimes. But the devil's very good at distracting us. And he wants, us, he wants to distract us so much so away from truth, away from, from the Bible, away from the Lord, away from church. He wants to get you away from it all. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, focus, fixed upon the Lord, he can't do it. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So I encourage you this evening, keep your eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ and don't be drawn away from the Lord or from the Bible, from the truth, from the church. Don't allow the devil.